This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! All right, all right, party people in the place to be. Welcome back to Nerds from the Underground. I'm Johnny. And joining me this very, very chilly winter night, I have... Fulci, what's going on, guys? That's right, and Fulci, what do we got going on tonight, man? What are we doing? I think we're going to discuss uh, some Maria Lovett, and I just figure I want to give a bunch of love to uh, Mr. John Lees. Yeah, we're doing a horror episode. Well, I mean, Maria Lovett... Well, no, wait. Well, pretty much all of her books I've read have been horror. So, yeah, no, good good call. Yeah, we're doing a horrific episode here, and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be gory, and there's going to be a lot of a lot of, lot of, of laughs, because, like we, like you said, we're going to be talking John Lee's, and there's a specific issue that I'm pretty sure both of us are going to want to talk about. And, yeah, if you can't laugh at issue 10 of Sync, yeah, you... you you, you don't belong on... Yeah, there's something wrong with you. You don't, you don't belong on this planet. <laughs> but before that, we're going to do our check-in. Matt, have you read anything really fun this week? Um, I, I'm, like, behind. Like, I started a new subscription service, and I don't really get my books in the mail until, like, a week after they come out. So I'm just getting caught up on, like, last week's stuff. The Autumnal was still really good, and what else was... AWA, uh, their new book, Erratic, was really good. Um, that's all that's that's shining off the top of my head right now. Cool, yeah, AWA is on fire. I need to read... Dude, yes. I need to catch up and read all the stuff that was given to us. I've slowly been catching up, but I love what I've read. Like... Yeah, yeah man, like hands down the best new publisher like easily like there's not a bad title since launch like every issue has been stellar um yeah, yeah. Um, what what really surprised me is that archangel 8 because yeah. i mean i like michael morrissey he's really good but for like that secret agent with the murderous side type thing that's probably the best book of that genre i've read in a long time i mean he really nailed it yeah and dude. it's drawn very well yeah i saw like a lot of at least in the like first couple issues it really reminded me of uh ennis's punisher max in a way but you know there's there's a lot more to it and yeah angels and this fucked up as for me i just really been enjoying these pdf bundles i've been getting from my kickstarters i got a really cool one the other day from was it yeah it was from the wailing blade guys all kinds of really cool horror stuff there's one called katarina hates the dead it's about this punk rock chick who just like goes around smashing like these zombies and other monsters but the way she's written is just so genuine and it's the, the snotty faces the way the artist like just renders her when she's doing her like pissy little face it's it's so good and it looks it looks so real i've had so many ex-punk girlfriends that like pulled that same face when they were like about to hit you <laughs> and like, it just made the book so real so like i really really like katrina hates the dead and i have it's available on Amazon from what the PDF I had says. So if you want to, go and check that out because I, I, it's pretty cheap on there. So definitely check that out if you get a chance. As far as I know, it's only available yeah, in digital. I, 
So uh, I gotcha. I'll definitely uh, give it a look. But yeah, you've been going Kickstarter crazy here lately, which is I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But man, it seems like you've been kickstarting it up. Well, it started because of the whole illness and uh, you know the comic shops closing up and them stopped running new books. The Kickstarters didn't stop, right. and like, yeah, my boys at Comics Tribe were like, oh, hey, check it out. We got this sci-fi book called She. It looks cool, right? And I'm like, yeah, and it's written by Ryan K. Lindsay. I love Beautiful Canvas. So I'm like, I'm getting this. And then I just started scrolling through, and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to get that book, too. Oh, that. And then I, I, it didn't stop. Like, every day I wake up, and like, I, I <laughs> and Kickstarter's made that way. You get updates and, like, messages from these creators nonstop. So you go back on that site, and you look at the new thing that's out, and you're like, oh, my God, look at that. There's a unicorn that kills vampires. I'm getting it. Ooh, murderous right. three-totes lost. I'm getting it. Oh, man, that looks... <laughs> and I, I can't help it. It's just... It, it's just a breeding ground for all this just wonderful, weird, excellent material that it's just right up my alley. It looks like we're coming into a really cool age of comics with some of these kids that are coming up. And I really hope a lot of these Kickstarter guys get signed because I haven't really been disappointed with any of their books. I had a problem with one certain campaign, but that was actually ran by a pro. So, like, right. the actual, like, up-and-comers, like people like Lane Lloyd and Melissa White and, like, Rich and all, all our buddies, they run their campaigns so smoothly. You get so much cool swag after the campaigns are done because of stretch goals. I mean... You get posters and art prints, and my Killtopia boys, they always got something cool popping off on there. So, yeah, Kickstarter's really kind of taken up a lot of the corner of my market. Like, I try to keep focus on that and what Image is doing, and then, like, I try to see what Vault and Scout and all them guys are doing because everybody's on into that. But, you know, like, it's kind of hard with, like, you know, my undivided attention kind of cut to those two because they've always been well one's always been since vertigo kind of died has been my bread and butter and the other one's kind of just really took on my life by storm because i never know what the hell i'm gonna see when i open the app you know what i mean like this is just always something new you know there's some weird german fucking goth um thing goth surreal book that i never heard of before that just looks magnificent looks better than anything we got coming out over here so i'm just like yeah that that that's getting 15 bucks for me you know what i mean that that has to (laughs) right yeah every time i look on kickstarter there's like at least like three new fucking projects that i'm like fuck i'm gonna have to save those and fucking give them my money later (laughs) i don't see why not and they get it they get it directly too which is cool you know what i mean it's not like you exactly yeah yeah that shit's awesome yeah and i mean it's a gamble for everybody involved but at the end of the day like all the books that i've got the single issues they come put together sometimes even better than the big two books i get like most of the issues that i've got like they're really sturdily bound like like image does like if you get like one of the really prestigious image books like yeah so i mean i i there's nothing to complain about and every now and then there might be a typo like a character might the, there might be a wrong word in a blurb but you know that i can overlook that it that doesn't hurt my feelings dude i see that shit in big two books like almost every week <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. so like yeah i've heard people try to call out kickstarters because of that and i'm just like yeah i see it in boom and i see idw do it so like yeah i guess i don't read too much big two but i'll take your word that they do it because yeah they're they're probably the laziest in yeah. the 
in the entire industry, in my opinion, for good reason. I mean, like they they've made their money and they they know that they could put out what they put out and people will pay for it. So you know, like why not be lazy at that point? Uh, yeah, I see where you're coming from for sure. Yeah, but <laughs> like the extra swag that you get from stretch goals is like like just fucking super awesome. Like uh, I backed a book uh, called The Soccer Mom Killer, and like. It was like ten bucks, and that included shipping, and that was for all three issues. You got a variant cover issue, an art print, a sticker, and like a enamel pen for fucking fifteen bucks. It was like, wow. I mean, fucking awesome. <laughs> was it good? I have to check that out. Did they send you a PDF for that? I believe so, man. I'll send it to you because I, cool. you know, I'm not gonna check it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, that because I missed that one, but yes, yeah, the soccer mom killer. So is it about a person who kills soccer moms? Yeah, or, it's like, a soccer mom that kills people. No, it's uh, it's the tagline for uh, like the Kickstarter was like basically like a slasher that targets Karens, and yeah, so <laughs> yes. I was like, fuck yes, I have to back this. Like I'm the horror guy, and who doesn't hate Karens? So he just hangs out in Walmart and waits to hear the words, I want to speak to your manager, and then like, <laughs> and then, then puts his Batman cape on. I, 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 could, I could get behind that. Like, yeah, yeah, there's like some, some heavy religious tones to it, which like, I'm not the hugest fan of, but it, it's well done. Uh, it's in black and white. The arts, I, I really dig the art a whole lot. It's almost something you'd see in a 90s vertigo book style art uh cool yeah we'll, we'll review that then but yeah that's another thing that kind of cracks me up with some of these youngins that i talk to when they get their kickstarters and like it's in black and white i'm like you know what dog indie books in color is a brand new thing like honestly like when i was coming yeah. up like maybe maybe if you bought a dark horse book it would be colored but like if you bought like a comico book or like a caliber book or you know any of those companies fantagraphics like all indie books were black and white until like you know image took over right. the entire thing and changed it you know what i mean so like i am totally okay i actually kind of miss you know a lot of that black and white stuff because i think some of the books look like they would have been better without some of the coloring in them yeah agreed but all right, you want to kind of talk a little bit about the beautiful, just gothic, fucked up fairy tale that is Heartbeat Matois? Of course I do, man. But I'm going to let you start it off because I know you've got a lot of fucking love for that book. And Miss Maria. All right, we got Story and Art by Miss Maria Lovett, lettered by and World Design, and translated by Andrea Rosenberg. Okay. Eva, a high school outcast, finds herself witness to a horrible secret. The most popular boy in her school enjoys the taste of blood and will kill to get his hands on it. Horrified and intrigued, Eva lets herself be pulled into Donathan's... I never learned how to say his name. Donathan's? Donathan's macabre world. He offers the escape she has been looking for, but... How much is Eva willing to betray her moral code in order to find something that gives her life meaning? And will she or Donatan find their love or redemption? Okay, and yeah, dude, this book really, really set me on a doozy because 
you look at it and it's just so beautiful. I mean, like Maria Lovett's art is, oh my, I don't even know how to put into words just how glorious this comic looks. And you're just introduced to this great character. I mean, I really liked Eva right off the bat. You just felt so bad for her. And you're like, oh my God, will somebody just come help save this poor, beautiful young girl? You know what I mean? She's, <laughs> she's, you know, she deserves so much better than this. And you just kind of see that like, Yo, dog, she don't need to be saved because she is going to basically become a real vampire. <laughs> and it is just really, really nihilistic and brutal, the journey that you take in this book. But it's also very realistic and wonderful because the neat thing is, is there actually is like a Captain Savaho type character who tries to like, you know, show up and be like, Oh, I'm going to save you from this guy because he was mean to my sister, too. And then you end up finding out that, like, he was a creep and, like, was always trying to get on his own sister. And you're just like, whoa, ain't nobody fucking savable in this book then, dude. Like, even the guy's trying to save people you can't save. And, <laughs> and by the end of it, you're just like, wow. Oh, my God. But at the same time, I can see how very empowering this book would be to a young woman. I think in a weird, morbid gothic messed up way maria lovett is really kind of doing like a modern jane austen type thing with this because you know what i mean i can see how this takes you know the type of normal thing that you see in horror and slasher movies that oh the pretty little girl she needs to be saved and it's like no eva didn't need to be saved eva saved herself in her own way because at the in the back of her mind she always wanted it you know what i mean she was always hungry for the blood which you end up finding out and it's kind of neat because it makes you look at yourself. It makes you think about what other people might be thinking in the back of their heads at the same time and makes you actually think about the weird shit that, you know, you kind of consider every now and then. I mean, everybody does it. You pissed off at a guy at work and you're like up 34 stories and you're just like, what if I push him? <laughs> you know what I mean? That guy's a fucking asshole. That stuff he said in the elevator was not cool. And well, you know what I mean? And like this book just kind of plays with like, what if you did it? What if you went with it? And why shouldn't pretty young girls that have been shit on their whole life be allowed to fucking go with those feelings and impulses as well? And I don't know. I, I, I just adore this book. I've read several of her works. I love everything that I've read. But this is probably her most impactful and my favorite of hers so far. I mean, this book is... I, I, I Like I said, it's powerful in my opinion. Yeah, man. It's, it's top-notch all aspects of the way like the white knight angle was great i think like my favorite part about the book is just ava's fascination like the artwork and the storytelling like really comes across strong with her fascination and like you can just you can feel it as you're reading it like you're just as fascinated as she is and i don't know i can't give like enough props for just the feel the, oh, that overall feeling like you kind of feel the exact same way she does right and i like the kind of odd semi-religious overtones of the book because it is a religious school but like in her odd imagination she almost sees it in like those like renaissance baroque style paintings there's like the weird panels of her and like donatane covered in blood like reaching for each other kind of looking like a stained glass that you'd see in a window and you yeah. also get these really cool depictions of like you know the dead girl from the beginning of the book kind of all cut up and 
it, it's not safe for work picture. Like I can't post it anywhere because there's definitely <laughs> sexual <laughs> organs shown in it. But at, at the same time, it's just gorgeously rendered. At the same time, you're looking at this grotesque beauty, and it's just I I, I love being able to say those two words together at the same time and and mean yeah. it. I love when those two things are brought together like well, and this book like personifies that. Amen. Yeah, like you look at some of the stuff in this, and you're just like, "Oh my God, that is so disturbing!" But I can't not look at it. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking amazing book. If you haven't read Heartbeat yet, or any any other Maria Lovett book, like get the fuck on it. You're missing out bad. Right. Yeah. Also, Faithless is really good. The second trade for that is out, and it is almost as good like and it's almost in the same type of vein except for that actually is a supernatural one there's actually a demon in it and there is a really really fun scene with a popsicle in the first book which i was kind of like whoa i didn't ever think i'd see that in an american comic at least one that was put out by boom i was just like woo, yeah that's that's new right on right. like get that euro shit going in our comics i've I don't understand the prudism we have anyways. Like, the Europeans have been doing stuff like that since the 60s, or probably before. But <laughs> Yeah. And that's where she comes from, so, yeah, I love it. I love that the Europeans are invading our comics, and I hope they bring their, their awesome uh, looks at morality and sexuality to the, our books as well, because, you know... It's kind of, you know, American comics uh, attempts at being erotic are cheesy and very Cinemax style. But when you look at something like Heartbeat, there is there's a lot of not safe for work material in it. But at the same time, like it's portrayed very well in the context of the story. I wouldn't really call any of it sexy. You know what I mean? It's not um, it's yeah. not anything that I there's it doesn't make me there's more of a, like a beauty to it, in my opinion. Yeah, but it's not like something that's put in there to make you you know horny or anything like that it's part of the story right, and, right, it, right. And, it, it, and it and in a way it almost it's more horrific than the actual gore because like it signifies the you know, the consummation of the monster eva's becoming and it, it's very well done she's very poetic in both her writing her wording and her art and i i just love people who can pull that off she is a true talent yeah, and she, like you said like get yeah. on her work as soon as possible i mean yeah yeah but all right you got any last words because i think i ran the well dry without actually spoiling the book for everybody yeah man i i think we got that one dude uh if if you don't want to check that book out based off of that description then we clearly have different taste <laughs> right and i understand like i know we did we talked about it being erotic and stuff but like i said it's not it's not the same as like getting something that's per- pornographic. It, it, it's different. You know what I mean? Like there are there are boobs and right, stuff in this book, right. but it, it's done to, to show the passion and and the the violence of the book. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same way that somebody like Benjamin Mara or Charles Forsman does it as well. Like they're two indie guys that kind of will have not safe for work stuff in their book and at the yeah. same time kind of use it as part of the storytelling more than actual like being just filler fluff porno right it's almost usually using the the like sexuality as like a form of violence that's exactly what it is that's very poetic i wish i could have thought of saying that but you heard it here man matt matt put it perfectly 
they use the sexuality as a form of violence that's well said man right on thank you sir thank you right on and on to probably our favorite guy to talk about on this show besides jeff lemire and that is our good buddy from scotland john lees and we don't have any specific book we want to talk about but we will probably talk a little bit about and then emily was gone motel and sink in this part of the show so matt go ahead and open up on your your love for our buddy from scotland yeah man just as far as horror comics go and he is not strictly a horror writer i want that to be out there a lot of people don't realize that he does have books that are not horror and uh he has said many times himself that he doesn't really want to be pigeonholed into that he just does it well and uh there's a lot more to his books than just the horror and i see a lot of people that don't recognize that so i do want to get that out there but he's he's written the best single issue that i've read in years uh including like up until today and that is uh sync issue number 10 and i know that johnny agrees with me wholeheartedly there and <laughs> yeah if if you can read one comic book uh i would make it sync number 10 <laughs> yeah and and don't and don't be put off that it's issue 10 because uh sync is uh, a book that every story is kind of its own thing and sure there's reoccurring characters and it would help to understand who mr dig is if you're reading an issue with him in it but he's not in it basically the only reoccurring characters from the main series is the gang the dickheads oh and i guess the clowns show up too yeah but like the neither of these gangs are very much explained at this point but we're getting a little bit into how they're made and where they come from but yeah this one is yeah, it's probably the greatest WTF issue I've ever read. <laughs> I remember when I, when I first got Sync the first time and I read it, I fell deeply, madly in love with the book with issue four because it was just such a brutal, hilarious, disturbing coming-of-age story about these four kids that go to the speakeasy, meet Mr. Dig, and end up um, butchering a, a scum lord. And, and it, it was it was wonderful. And the, the dude and the girl end up getting together at the end, and it just was so sweet. It was just so bloody and gory, but just heartwarming. Yes. And I was just like, I wonder if he's ever going to be able to one-up that or, you know, come do something as good as that again. And I was reading Sync 2, and I loved I loved the book, you know, and I was just like, man, there's nothing that's hitting issue 4 level good, though. And then I got to issue 10, and I was like, oh, he did it. He way out did it. As soon as... Not even when I saw the final resting place of the big bumblebee. Yeah. As soon as I saw her bust that out, I was just like, oh, wow, this is. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, the, this issue, it's these two middle-aged people. They met online, and uh, the one lady, she lives in Sink Hill, and she, she wants the guy to come over, so she kind of pretends the neighborhood's not as bad as it is. And they are both pretending that they're into bdsm but they have no idea what they're doing and they're trying to have a date night with it and they keep messing up and a home invasion happens and this gang called the dickheads that um kind of they're underlings of the gang uh the gangs of sink hill they break in and they try to you know home invade and it doesn't go very well for them the the not at all 
Because BDSM people, they have weapons you can't even dream of. That I didn't even think of using as weapons until I saw this issue. Where a big, like, foot-long purple um, pleasure maker ends up <laughs> in some poor dead bastard in this issue. Oh, dude, it was so hilarious. As soon as I saw that panel, I was just like, oh! I've I, I loved so many of Alex Cormack's kills in this book, but that's probably my favorite one. Just whoop! Like, oh my yes. god, like I just saw that and it was amazing and I laughed so hard. <laughs> yeah, I, the whole issue has you laughing at the mo- the gnarliest shit you've ever laid your eyes on, and it's it's fucking phenomenal. Uh I I can't speak highly enough about that issue it is the best thing i've read in years and and the, and the ending i don't want to spoil it but yeah the the, the last panel yes. of the book you're just like i wish i could feel bad but i don't hit the button again and that, that... <laughs> <laughs> yes please oh uh, i i want to see john revisit the characters so bad and i i know he's been doing a lot of work here on sync uh as of late so i know we'll see some more from that universe and i i can't fucking wait another his that i really really love it's a i think it's the second book comics tribe put out of his i think it came out after the standard and then emily was gone it's basically like a it's, it's kind of a folk yeah, it is a folk-based horror yeah. story, but it's also very, very esoteric and surreal. Like, there is some real David Lynch stuff going on, especially with the two assassins. But he really, like you were saying, there are many facets to him. He's a very complex writer, and when he needs to, he can get very deep and cerebral. And the neatest thing about that book is how dark and deep and evil his mind got in that book. His, he works with the perfect artist every time, and Einan Lori's art is just so batshit crazy and surreal that it, it counterbalanced yes. it to the point where you weren't. It doesn't. It didn't disturb you as bad as it should because I mean, the end of that book. Like we talked about some fucked up endings like tonight, but like the end of and then Emily was gone is probably one of the most brutal, <laughs> demented endings I've ever read in a book. I mean, you get to the and you're just like. That poor guy! Like, what the... <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the fuck, Emily? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh, yeah, Laurie's art is... It's it's so... I, I don't really think I've seen anything else like it. And it, it just... It suits the book so well for me. Like you, like you said, it's like the counterbalance. Right, because the the story of the book, if it was drawn by like say like somebody like, oh man, somebody that, uh, even somebody like Ben Templesmith, who's somewhat in that kind of weird esoteric style, like Einan Laurie, even with him, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it would have just been so drab and dark looking. But Einan Laurie, he's it's got all these weird colors. So like when you're in the the weird meat packing plant with the worms and stuff, it's like everything's pink and yeah. yellow, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, lots like, of bright. This should be, I mean, and it still was really gross, but like I don't know, it kind of helped make it a little more digestible, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> I'd have probably liked it in more detail too, but like I gotta say that like I think that the the art and the the story went perfectly together, and yeah, 
like dude and then emily gone is gone is one that a lot of people that are getting into john lee's don't know of yet and but it's a must read if you like sync if you like hotel like this one will will knock your hair back because it's it's so different than even anything else he's written yeah agreed and like it would you would say like what it's like a mix between like a david lynch movie uh, where the wild things are, and then with some Cohen brothers in there, like, yeah, man. So you got all of the above. You got the weird hitmen that are funny, and they, they're always like buying hammers and <laughs> right. shit, and like, and you don't really know what they're there for until you get to the end of the book, and you're just like, wow, okay, so like that was just a huge swerve. The whole that's so neat, you know what I mean? Like the whole book was yeah. just, yeah, it was so well put together. Like, he, and that was an early early effort of his like i can't wait to see what he does as he keeps developing himself he is such a cool dude he's like one of the nicest guys on twitter like anything you ask him he answers and he's just so genuine and funny too like so yeah like yeah i just i can't wait to see what happens with him in the future and yeah and i just want to you guys to check out like even his superhero book, like I think it's the one of the first things he actually had published, the Standard, which is really really cool. I, I enjoy yes. that. And you kind of have like this odd different take on like kind of like the Scottish Superman and the Scottish Batman in it. But the Batman guy I, is really cool, and I like the whole thing about him, like how everybody's like, I, I thought you died, and like, and you find out at the end, like how the that how that character's mantle's handled, and you're just like, oh, that's cool. Like everything he does, you're just like at the end of it, you're just yeah. like man that's cool dude like fuck dude you just got this shit figured out john like yeah his debut with the standard was was phenomenal for the first thing he did like it's pretty yeah pretty fucking mind-blowing and it's really cool because tyler from uh the guy that runs comics tribe when i was actually being all excited when i first discovered john lee's he actually found a copy of the foil hardcover and sold it to me because like i was like such a huge up-and-coming fan he's like oh you like john lee's huh check this out 35 bucks and i'm like okay dude like send it like, this is happening man because like that foil hardcover is beautiful bait <laughs> i believe it man you're gonna have to like let me take a look at that i haven't even seen it okay, i just got cool. the yeah. uh the standard singles it's a great book though like everything he's done i even got um tracked down the issue in ninja turtles john lee's wrote yeah because I, you know, I'm that kind of fan, and it's good. I mean, he, like, I would like to see him write more Turtles, too, because, like, that was a lot of fun. And it wasn't brutal, and it wasn't horrific at all, too. It was a fucking Ninja Turtles issue, you know what I mean? <laughs> Lee's is one of the very few writers that, like, if his name's on it, I'm gonna fucking pick it up. Just because there, there is no wrong that he's done, in my opinion, like, at all. Yeah, and even when he talks about wrestling, I pay attention, even though like I don't know half the names he's saying. I'm just like, wow, that must be pretty cool if it keeps his attention that long. You know what I mean? It's like Fred loves it too. I, <laughs> yeah. I I haven't I haven't tried to watch wrestling since like I turned like 20, but I used to really like it when I was younger. You know what I mean? It just kind of fell off with it. So it could be awesome. I remember like like when the Undertaker first came out, and I think he fought like or fought he wrestled hulk hogan and like beat him i think like that's like my last memory of wrestling and i was like super young so <laughs> i haven't paid attention like <laughs> since it was just something i would catch on tv when i was a kid and got out of it pretty quickly but that's how cool he is he's, he's actually got me thinking like hey maybe i should check out wrestling again because like <laughs> 
<laughs> there it is, man. If I mean, if you need convincing, like John Lee's is such a phenomenal writer that he has Johnny wanting to watch fucking wrestling. So <laughs> I mean, there is no greater like recommendation you can get. Right, right, and. Well, that was a really kind of quick, fun episode, man, and we had a good time. We talked about some good, horrific stuff, and yeah, I'm pretty sure John Lees and Maria will pretty much appreciate this episode, because, wow, we fanboyed a lot, but whatever, yeah, they man. deserve it. They're both pretty underrated still, in my opinion. Like, Agreed, and I hope that they get the love and attention they definitely are working for, and yeah, love you both. I'm Johnny, and you can find me on Twitter at JohnnyAlpha81 and on YouTube at Graphic Vandalism. And this is Fulci, and you can find me handcuffed in Joey Pocket's basement. Kinky. All right. How'd you get in Canada, man? I know you live kind of close, but Jesus. Man, he was able to smuggle you across the border. That is super kinky. That's kind of BTK killer style. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I went to sleep, and... This is just where I woke up. <laughs> but, all right, we are a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network, and we would really appreciate it if you checked out some more shows on the network. But until next time, aloha. Later, guys.